So over 70 hours of travel, 10 different flights from Indianapolis to Sausagon City uh, in the Baikal region of the Philippines, um, the Philippine island of Lausanne. We traveled via Dallas, San Francisco, and Manila. And we traveled back to uh, Indianapolis via Manila, Hong Kong, Tokyo, San Francisco, and Phoenix. Speaking at three different churches over five days, we're just a little tiny bit jet-lagged this morning. <laughs> but you know, we have come back with a, a whole nother level of appreciation for the amazing God that we serve, and the, we are amazed at the things that we saw him do while we were there. Now, to say that we had an amazing time in the Philippines would be an understatement. And somehow trying to describe to you what happened there seems to me, at least, to be trivializing um, a sacred, what I felt was a sacred time, uh, which cannot, in fact, be fully explained. That when we left you, you and others prayed over us. And I remember specifically Gary very pastorally praying over us that God would indeed use us, and he did. And then you sent us out as ambassadors, as representatives really of you and of Christ. And it is in that spirit that we come back to you to report to you on what we saw God do through us while we were there. In the book of Acts chapter 4, Luke tells us that when Peter and John were released from prison after having healed the lame man and after doing miraculous things, what they did was that they went back to the community, their faith community, their friends, and they told them what God had done through them. And they told it in such a way that God became the hero of their story. And we want to be careful as we report to you this morning that we report in such a way that God is seen to be the hero of the story because indeed the praise and glory rightly belong to him. So Randy and I first met Bay and Peg about roughly about 20 years ago. They came to speak at our um, first, the first church that we were pastoring in Pennsylvania. And um, around the same time that Bay and Bay met us and we met them, uh, we didn't know it then, but we knew this on the trip, that around that same time, about 20 years ago, um, Bay and, Pe and Peg also met a Japanese student who had become a Christian in Japan, and at the insistence of his pastor, he traveled to Grand Canyon University uh, in Phoenix uh, to study theology. And while he was there, Bay and Peg um, came to speak at the school where he was at, and several times afterwards, they had a, a, an opportunity to mentor this young man whose name was Kenta Ohashi, Japanese. Well, he went back to Japan after um, completing his studies, and things didn't really pan out for him in Japan, and so he uh, migrated to the Philippines and settled in Manila, and then finally uh, relocated to um, Sosogon City. And around maybe a year ago, just about, um, Bay and Peg realized that a, a previously scheduled mission trip to Kenya didn't really pan out. 
And so they had stayed in touch with this Japanese student, Kenta Ohashi, and so they contacted him and said, hey, um, is there a possibility that we might do some ministry in, in the Philippines? And um, Kenta said, why? Of course, yes. I've always been telling you that you guys, your ministry is needed here. And so um, they decided that they would go to the Philippines. Now, fast track a little bit. September of 2023, um, Bay and Peg invited us uh, to come to their ranch in Colorado for um, a retreat. And while we were there, they floated the idea to us of joining them as partners on a mission trip to the Philippines. And of course, after praying about it, we had already been actually asked by Pastor Rigel Robinson to join him on a mission trip to Kenya. But after we prayed, we just sensed that God wanted us to go with Bay and Peg, and so we did. All right, so if you look at the slide um, that John is projecting there now, it should be a slide that shows, yes, Bay, of course, in the in the middle there, it's easily recognizable by its height. Right over here on the left is Kenta Ohashi. Um, and by the way, Kent, his last name actually means um, Big Bridge. Kenta's last name, Ohashi, means Big Bridge. And um, as, as uh, we were all on stage together at um, the church there in the Philippines called the God's Holy Light Church, uh, the joke among us was that God used this Japanese guy whose name means bridge to be a bridge that united a black couple, a white couple, a Japanese, and a Philippine congregation. How ironic is that? That was just so cool um, as he indeed did that. Um, if you would be reminded that through your generosity, we raised about just about $9,000 for this trip, which was roughly 3,000 more than what we needed after we covered um, airline tickets and accommodations and meals and things like that. So we gave another uh, third of that, 3,000 to, um, to Bay and Peg, um, who had Focus Ministries. We pooled that with them, and uh, Bay and Peg will be distributing that to the Philippine church uh, before they, in fact, leave. Now, on the Sunday that we were there, Randy and I preached at God's Holy Light Church. And if you go to the next slide, John, um, that is Pastor Sunday. He's the pastor of that church, God's Holy Light Church. And the next slide uh, tells a story. In fact, he was telling us that story. Um, when they were building this church, it's a, and it's a small church, um, but fill, filled with people, as they were building this church, they had to actually stop at one point. And um, they didn't see the light or anything like that, but once they took the picture of them pausing, that is what showed up in the picture. And so that's why they decided to name the church God's Holy Light, because there's a ray of light shining down from the heavens, and um, it's just amazing. So that's the name of the church, and that's the church that we um, ministered to on Sunday morning. Randy and I preached from, the, from Luke chapter 15, which was pretty much a combination of the three parables. We had uh, preached some of that here before we left, but we combined uh, into one message and we preached that. And at the end of the service, about 20 persons responded to an invitation to either give their hearts to Christ for the first time or to recommit uh, their lives to Jesus Christ. Some of them coming and weeping at the altar during that time. The next day, Monday, we launched uh, the conference proper. Uh, uh, it was a conference on biblical leadership with the idea of us being able to lead as pastors ethically. 
with clean hands and with a pure heart. And something truly amazing happened during the service. John Mark, if you turn to the next slide, that's him there. He is the eldest son of Pastor, um, Pastor Sunday, Pastor Domingo Del Vino. And during his leading of worship, after we had spoken on leading with clean hands and a pure heart, um, all of a sudden, he just became very emotional, so emotional that he couldn't continue playing the guitar. He was leading worship just like that. And um, he became very emotional and just started sobbing and weeping. And when he had regained his composure somewhat, he confessed publicly. He said, I have been leading worship, but my hands and my heart are not clean. He said, I need to repent of that today because I've done some things that, that make me feel unworthy of God and unworthy of leading worship. Brilliant musician. Very skillful in leading worship. In fact, so skillful, he plays all of the musical instruments. He plays um, uh, keyboards. He plays acoustic guitar, plays the bass guitar, and he plays the drums. And he has taught all of his siblings how to play them as well. So the band that leads worship in church comprises the Delvino kids, the pastor's kids. Powerful time of worship. But this, that was a big takeaway for me from that entire experience. That this young man, under the weight of the Holy Spirit, couldn't continue leading worship because of the glory of God present. Now, the ironic, thing is what, the ironic thing about this was that Bay and I and our team had actually sensed the day before, as he, has led, as he had led worship on Sunday, we sensed a calling on this young man's life. We sensed that perhaps God was calling him for more than he was set, that he was settling for. Now, both he and his girlfriend are college graduates, and because jobs are so scarce in the Philippines, in fact, they tell me that um, for every job, there, is, there are more than 100 applicants for, you know, good, decent, decent paying jobs. And so in his mind, he's thinking that what he and his girlfriend need to do would be to relocate to Japan um, where they could make enough money to help uh, their parents continue with the church. And um, as he was sobbing and weeping and as we were praying, praying over him there, Bay was just sensing the need to challenge him to just let go, let, let go of that weight and that pressure. Because it seems in the Philippines, culturally, children take care of the parents. So there's no retirement system, there's no social security system. So basically, the children, once they start working, feel the weight of actually supporting their parents. And that's what he was really feeling there, uh, which was a cultural thing. Um, so. Yep, he started controlling, weeping uncontrollably and couldn't continue playing, lost all emotion, and then that's when we actually gathered around him and prayed for him. Um, let me just skip through some of that here. Um, we'll go on to the next slide because another thing that really impressed me was the number of young adults in the churches there. We spoke at three churches, and more than 50% of the congregation were young adults, young adult pastors and young adult leaders and young adult, adult attendees. During one of the sessions that I spoke on, uh, on Joseph, uh, we spoke on several biblical characters who, who exemplified what biblical leadership was about. As we spoke on Joseph, who said yes to God and then no to Potiphar's wife, and we spoke about the importance of remaining pure, um, we challenged the congregation and 
you could, I mean, the altar was just filled with people who came forward crying and weeping and praying, wanting to consecrate themselves to God for, for ministry. And that was a specific challenge that we gave them. If you sense that God is asking you to come forward because you want to consecrate your life to ministry, do that. And um, several of them, many of them actually came. Now, the night before we left for um, this trip, um, a friend of ours from the Virgin Islands called us. Um, he's one of my best friends. He's older than I am, way older, but we're very good friends, he and his wife. And um, he called us, and Randy was away at women's Bible study, I think. Did you come to women's Bible study that Tuesday evening? Okay, you were just away. All right, so he called and he prayed over, over us. And what his prayer was, he prayed two things. He said, God, do amazing things to them. And then secondly, he said, God, change them through the experience. And I believe that God answered both, um, both prayers. In the next slide that you're going to see as we, you move forward, I was bragging on Brown's Chapel. If you, see if you can forward that. Yes, you can't really see the picture. That's the picture right in the background there of Brown's Chapel. And I was sharing with them of how God had, in an amazing way, uh, impressed upon this anonymous donor to uh, give us um, a substantial amount of money that helped us to pay off our debt. And at the end of the service, a pastor walks up to me. His name was Pastor Bong Jimenez Leoncito. And um, he said to me, Theo, as you preached, God was confirming in my spirit that he was going to do the same thing for our church as he has done for your church. And we heard several reports like that of people saying, the words that you spoke to us today are confirmation of things that God has already said that he would do in us and through us. So God did amazing things through us, but he also did amazing things in us because he really gave us a heart for the Philippine, Filipino people and especially Filipino pastors because I was shocked when I was told that the average Filipino, Filipino pastor makes a salary of just about six U.S. dollars per day. Can you imagine that? Six U.S. dollars per day. There's no retirement plan, no pension system, nothing to look forward to. And yet, you can't find more committed pastors. Um, our host pastor is probably the hardest working man I've met. Um, he's the chair of the Evangelical Association in, in their uh, community, bringing several pastors together. He has planted three churches. Um, he drove us everywhere. Some, sometimes, actually, some of our trips were like two hours. Uh, we left home at one particular morning at 7 o'clock to drive all the way to um, Tobacco, was it? Tobacco. Um, the city of Tobacco for another church. We got there at 9 o'clock that morning. Well, a little after 9, and the conference was supposed to start at 9 o'clock. So when we got there, they were wrapping up worship already. And... So we didn't get a chance to be a part of the worship service, and we didn't get a chance to worship. And we really would have loved to, to experience that, but as soon as I got there, probably about five minutes, they called me up to, to begin to speak. And something seemed to be flat. So, I mean, everything was just flat about the, the presentation. Uh, there was no traction, there was no energy, and I think they sensed that something was wrong. And um, when I was done with the first session, you know, he called us all together and he prayed over me and he prayed 
that um, the enemy would be rebuked, or the spirit of tiredness would be, be rebuked. And the fact that we hadn't worshipped, I think, um, really just um, caused us not to be able to flow in the spirit as we should. But believe it or not, at the end of that prayer, everything just flowed. And here's the other, here's the other thing amazing, the other amazing thing that happened. I had more than 23 pages of notes that I prepared on biblical leadership. Theoretical stuff as well as biblical stuff. 23 pages. And would you believe it? I got there and I, the sense that I got was that, hmm, that's not going to work for you. Um, God completely shifted the whole thing. I spoke for five days, three sessions per day, with no notes. I have never done that. I have no idea how that happened. I just sensed that the power of God's Holy Spirit was on me in a way that I had never experienced before. It, 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 it was just amazing. Um, so, believe it or not, that, that whole thing changed me and changed us. Um, let me just hasten here because I'm going to let Randy um, come up and do a little bit and then I'll finish up. Our flight back to the United States took us through Hong Kong and Tokyo. We'd never been to these places before. Huge airports. We got to Hong Kong, could not find our way to our, through immigration and to our gate. And of course, everything is, is written in Chinese. And uh, the other thing was that there's nobody parading the hallways to tell you where to go. So we couldn't find, and then of course we had to catch our connecting flight until finally, after walking, I am sure, not less than a mile through that airport, huge airport. We finally saw somebody who actually directed us through customs and to our gate, and then when we got to our gate and spoke to the ticketing agent, they asked, well, do you want us to help you find assistance for your next flight? Because we had another connecting flight through Tokyo back to San Francisco. And um, so we said yes, and uh, so they, I guess, called ahead and got things arranged. When, believe it or not, when we landed in Tokyo and were coming off the plane, there were two people standing with a placard and a sign on it with names that we recognized, Theo and Randy Griffin. <laughs> I mean, we felt like VIPs being escorted through the airport to our, um, our actual gate, and of course we made our, our flight uh, on time. Let me call Randy back, and then I'll, after she's done, I'll finish up. Morning, church. I don't know if my eyes are open, but I'm trying to make them stay open. I want to say thank you so much, and actually not just our church, because we have so many people from our former churches that actually gave to this trip. And what a blessing when people can actually give to something something we didn't know about. And so I just want to say thank you, because I know that we have some folks that are looking on, online that have given, and whatever gift you gave, we want to say thank you. Also, the fact that you prayed. Um, I even get a little bit emotional. I'm going to try to hold it down, Sarah. That's what you do. <laughs> Stuff it down, right? Right, right. <sighs> Um, I, it was just so amazing to see how the Lord actually worked. 
There are a few things that I would love to share. Um, one of them will be this saying, and I don't even know who actually said it, but if you really want to see God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> don't know if you've ever heard that before, but a few years ago, I started asking God for, to do something different through us, through the ministry. And I can tell you that this was something different. This was not what we've been used to. Um, and I believe just surrendering to God and saying, God, you know, I just, I want to be able to, I want to be able to speak to different people. I want to be able to just connect God's word. And I personally want to be able to be used. And Thea could tell you that what happened was different. He, he will tell you um, the way the Lord used me or used him was totally different than what we had planned. I do know a few things. You have to put some work in in order to get something out. That's still true. <laughs> you got to know. Uh, uh, yeah, you have to put, put time in. We didn't have a whole lot of time. There was a lot that was happening here that we did not put in the time that we had hoped to. But we dedicated what we put in, and the Lord just took it. He took the widow's might, and he made it something beautiful. And I just, for that, I want to say, praise the name of the Lord. And I want to say, hallelujah. And I just want to give God praise for what he's done. There are some things that I would love to share about the culture. The culture of the people, they're so warm and so kind. And they're a little shy, but you step towards them, and they just go, oh, yeah, yeah, picture? We, we could speak uh, a little. They could speak English a little bit, and we just had a couple words that other people had told us. But it was just so beautiful to watch. I also want to talk about the way they love the way, the, the passion that they have. The young people, I mean, the place was just filled with young people. And then there are just people who have been seasoned in the Lord, and you can just tell. But I feel like there are a lot of, a lot of things just came together and was just right for the moment that we were there. And the only person that we can give praise to is God. He put things together. He weaved different things and, and he just made it happen, and it's just, we can't really explain it. I can tell you this, though, the glory of the Lord came down. We had the one picture with, uh, with John Mark, but that was when he was already back on his feet. There was a time where nobody was taking pictures, and all I'm going to tell you is that the whole place was flooded. He was, he was down on the ground, um, guitar was aside, and just weeping, and the, he's a leader, he's a firstborn, he's a leader, he knows, his, he understands his position, and his siblings, as he's doing, his siblings just came, and they were down, and the, the, the people in the congregation, it was just a movement where the Lord just, the glory of the Lord is, all I can tell you is that the glory of the Lord ascended upon the people, and we, I turned to Theo, and I said, Wow. Well, I'd, never, I'd never really experienced it like that. And it was amazing to watch. So I think the people were ready. Um, you folks were praying. They were praying, and it just happened, and the Lord just took over. And that was just amazing because 
as we were talking about the shepherd's call, and Theo would probably talk a little bit about the chief shepherd, first of all, the salvation call, call to Christ himself, and then the fact that there's a calling on each person's life and how we respond to the calling. I got to share on Jonah, um, and so I told Theo, I said, wow, I don't know why you chose the two. I did Jonah and I did Deborah, obviously, Jonah said no, and he said, do where? I'm not going this where, I'm going over here. So we have somebody responding to the call, at least the way I termed it as the call went wrong, as well as Deborah, the woman who actually led a man. The man he wasn't going anywhere either, and he, um, Barak, got some strength, and then he went forward, but a woman actually led that man. So those were my two that I was doing as well as the lost coin. So I got to do a lot of um, teaching and preaching and just be involved in Bay and Peg. They also, they were involved with us. It's just amazing to see. But I think my bragging point has to be about what the Lord did. It's not what we did, but look at what God did and the, the hearts that were responding, some for the first time and some were just responding to, um, to rededicate their lives. And the many that I was able to speak with in different groups that said, you know, I have confirmation in my spirit, um, you know, I turn back to the Lord today or what have you. To me, those were the things that really I took away from that feeling, okay, God, you took my little bit, and I understand now what it looks like to have loaves and fishes. And for that, I just want to say thank you, and I just want to surrender my heart to God. So a lot happened there. And of course, we're just, you know, uh, brushing the iceberg, so to speak, because we haven't even told you about what Bay and Peg are doing. I mean, they're meeting with um, mayors and city officials. They're planning actually another major uh, evangelistic event, citywide evangelistic event for next year, March. And so they're kind of laying a lot of groundwork as they're rubbing shoulders. But um, they're also doing a great work there. And I, even this morning, I saw pictures of um, so many who were responding uh, to salvation, making salvation decisions and so on. But let me, let me re-emphasize this, because I think the Filipino people wanted me to do it. I think they also wanted me to do it, to let you know none of this would have been possible without your giving. Um, we had, I think, maybe about a, an average of about 150 pastors that showed up every day. And the extra money that you gave to us, that money was used to provide lunch for everybody every day. This would never have happened without your giving. Uh, there are some pastors who couldn't afford to tra the expense of traveling there because of, of the distance. Some of that money helped to pay their way to get to and from the conference. And so I just want you to know that your giving meant a lot to the Filipino people. Uh, Pastor Sunday could not believe when we told him that we wanted to bless him and his church with the extra funds that had come in. Um, so please know that you're making a great uh, impact, and you have blessed a lot of people by your giving. And so we returned at 12.30 a.m. on Saturday morning, uh, we, and uh, we came from 80-degree weather <laughs> to four inches of snow, you know. 
Um, you know, uh, it took me probably 30 minutes almost to get all that snow off of my car because we parked at the airport. But um, here's the thing. We came home. Our driveway was already shoveled. And um, we met an ice cooler that had milk, um, groceries, fruit, uh, baked cookies, soup. There's nothing like soup on a cold night or a cold, a cold morning. So I'm going to embarrass them. I know they don't want me to say it, but I'm going to embarrass them by saying, Lynn and Rhonda, thank you. That, that meant a lot to us to come home and meet that. And um, so that just shows you that from going to coming back, God's hand and blessing was upon the trip, and you are a big part of that. So we are so, certainly grateful. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you for this time, and we trust that you were glorified by our worship and by our sharing. We trust, Lord, that our church has been encouraged by the work that you did through them, through their giving. And we ask, O oh God, that they will continue to hear reports even of lives that would have been impacted and changed by, the, by their giving and by the work that was done through their giving. So God, thank you. Be exalted and be glorified. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.